welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Castro, and joining me in the studio today is Chandler Haynes and Diane Sherrod. They work for the West Tennessee Healthcare Foundation through the Jackson-Madison County Prevention Coalition. And they're here today talking about another pandemic that is kind of sweeping the nation outside of COVID-19, the opioid pandemic. So before we dive into that, I'm going to get to know them a little bit better. So Chandler, Diane, what's up? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Well, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming good in today. Good morning. Good morning. So just tell me a little bit a little bit about yourselves. Uh, who are you? What do you like to do outside of work? What do you do for work? Uh, what's your role uh, in your department? And uh, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, well, we'll uh, you know, we know each other through, you know, just outside of work things. But, Shout out you know, West Jackson. Baptist exact, Church. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, um, yeah, man, I just, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised here. Love Jackson, love West Tennessee. I have a real heart for the people here in just the area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to fish, hunt, whatever. Um, but I also like to sit at home on the couch, too. One of my favorite things. Love it. Exactly. So I'm a couch potato and a, you know, self-proclaimed country boy slash redneck. <laughs> nice. So we love it. And you're getting married soon? Dude, I get married in 11 days. Oh, Counting down. Counting down. Counting down. It's getting real, people. That's getting Yeah. Real. So the, uh, what date specifically? July 2nd. July, okay. My math is not great, especially at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. So uh, July 2nd, that's coming up quick. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Chandler, I'm glad, glad you're here today. Glad you reached out to me about doing this. Yeah, thanks, Will. Uh, Ms. Diane, who are you? So, you know, I, did, I too were born and raised here in Jackson, and um, I work in accounting by trade. Okay. I worked in um, the hospital accounting at HCA Regional for years, and then I also worked for um, the Madison County Finance Department and also the Jackson Madison County School System. Okay. One thing about me is I'm a person in long term recovery. Mm-hmm. I have recovered from alcoholism and drug addiction. I'll have 19 years in September. Wow, congratulations. So, one thing that I'd like to do uh, when in recovery, you know, we have this altruistic movement where we try to give back and help others. And someone came to me back in 2017 and said, How would you like to help people all day long and get paid? And I was like, there is no such job, but there was. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, we work um, for a state-funded agency called the Lifeline Peer Project. And um, one thing I'm grateful for is we work for a governor, the past two governors, actually, who have been very supportive of you know people with substance misuse and alcohol misuse, and particularly with the opioid epidemic. They have provided funding for programs like the Lifeline Peer Project, which is what I do. I'm called a lifeliner. There's 17 of us across the state. We work by region. Mm -hmm. And I I cover the Southwest region, um, 11 counties. So I was able to come to work and help people just find detox, treatment, recovery. All of us, the 17 of us, we actually know where all the state-funded treatment beds are across the state. Mm -hmm. And we pretty much get those filled up by lunchtime every day. Wow. I mean, just, you know, just a network of, you know, coming together, people who need resources, and we're able to, we have a thread going um, by chat, by, you know, by email, 
and we help people, you know, find recovery resources. So it's a great thing. It's a wonderful job. And I have a great team. Chandler has just joined our team, and I'm so excited to have him aboard. We also have Sarah Mays, who is also the hybrid lifeliner. She actually covers some counties in southwest Tennessee that are distressed. Okay. Um, and um, then we have Amy Bechtel, who is our community faith-based coordinator for all of West Tennessee. Awesome. So she serves 21 counties wow. in West Tennessee. And she moves in and out of our congregations, and she mm-hmm. signs our churches up for to be recovery congregations. She does all kinds of trainings like mental health first aid, AC. Um, resiliency, trauma-informed approach. Yeah, so, um, you know, as a team, basically our job is to just to provide people with resources and um, to educate and inform people about stigma and about the crisis that we're currently facing. That's amazing. Uh, So I see on your titles, both of you are regional overdose prevention specialists. So if you could just kind of give me like a nutshell what that is. You, I think you may have alluded to it a second ago, but yes, yes, right. So, um, just like you know, Diane mentioned, um, she's she's a lifeliner, but she's also ropes. So she's mm-hmm. on. She gets the best of both worlds. She gets to yes. do both. Um, and I've been with her on some some lifeline kind of street outreach things, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, regional overdose prevention specialist is more of a formal training role, I, I guess you would say. When I say formal, I don't mean, you know, suit and tie. That's what you right. have to wear to come. I just mean that our job is to go out into the community to raise awareness and to to train on opioids, stimulants, and how to reverse those uh, types of overdoses using a, a life-saving drug called naloxone, okay. which is the generic name. Um, a lot of folks will recognize it by the brand name Narcan, mm-hmm. uh, and that is what you can ask for at a pharmacy, and that is actually what we provide to certain people um, that might be in danger or living in close proximity to someone in in danger of overdosing from opioids. Okay. What exactly is naloxone? Like what you said, it's a life saving drug. How can, how can that, as somebody who doesn't know, how does that save people's lives? Right. So, um, we work with a gentleman named Mark Mason, and I'm going to put this in one of his favorite things to say when he's explaining is I'm going to put it in simple language. <laughs> Please simple do. language. That's what, that's what he says. So uh, essentially, if you can think of, um, do you remember uh, when we were younger, you, you would watch uh, school, uh, grammar, grammar house rocks mm. or schoolhouse school rock? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like the, where they teach you like about conjunctions and mm-hmm. all that. Okay. Conjunction junction, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Hooking up uh, phrases, function? clauses, and functions, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. That's what they would say. Yeah. So it's kind of like a train yard where every every train would connect to each other and it would carry something off. That's how opioids work in our brain. That's how every chemical works in our okay. brain, right? Mm-hmm. So when you ingest something, you know, certain things bind to other things in your brain called receptors, mm-hmm. right? So opioids, um, they slow your breathing down. They're a pain reliever, right? So they're very, very often used for uh, post-surgery, for mm-hmm. um, pain, right? If, uh, if you're elderly, let's say, and you fall and you break something, you know, they'll, they'll give you that to help you. Um, or even if it's a big heart surgery, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my fiance works, works for Jackson General, and um, they give opioids to people after they've had bypass surgeries, mm-hmm. you know, open heart surgeries, whatever. 
And so the, the problem comes in when too much of something is consumed and it's a toxic amount, and that's what we call an overdose. Mm-hmm. And so with prescription opioids, we don't really see that as much, but what is really happening is that there is this very potent chemical that is an opioid inhibitor, meaning it, it causes more of it to be produced in the brain. And so just like conjunction junction, when you take something, it takes up all the room on your brain in those receptors. I see. And it fills them up with that chemical, mm-hmm. right? So what naloxone does is when someone has consumed too much of a substance, opioids only, that's all that naloxone works for, mm-hmm. it will basically come in and it will say, hey, I'm driving the train now. Mm-hmm. And it will unhook all the opioids from the train car and it will, it will bring that person back to life so they can start breathing again if they've consumed a toxic amount gotcha. of opioids. I love that metaphor that you made. That <laughs> yeah, made so that much too. sense. Yeah, I'm going to take awesome. that with me, yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, Diane, off mic, you and I talked about there was a, a change that happened and uh, how doctors yes. prescribed painkillers. Yes. So can you kind of describe what that change was? Well, just looking back at the history of painkillers, the first thing I want to say is there's a, there's a trick. It's a myth, and it's probably one of the greatest hoax that was ever played on the American people and, and people worldwide. Opiates have been called painkillers. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the trick of that is it's not a painkiller. It doesn't kill pain. Opioids will mask pain, but the pain returns when the medication wears off. So if you've had surgery, or in, in my case, when um, I was in a car wreck and I was overprescribed opiates, and when they gave it to me, I was like, oh my God, my pain is gone. I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. I was like cleaning my house. I was, you know, I, 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 it just seemed like it just was this miracle drug. Yeah. And after 30 days, I went back to the doctor and I was like, wow, that really worked. And of course, doctors are like car salesmen. They want happy customers, right? Sure. So they prescribed me more. After about six months, eight months, you know, it seemed like it started taking more of the same thing for me to get the same effect. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the doctor and I was like, you know what? I'm not sure if 30 is going to do enough. Can you can you make it 60? And he was like, sure. You know, and so the the birth of overprescribing began for me. And by the time that I realized I had a problem, I was probably taking 12 to 15 pills per day. Wow. Now, a doctor's not going to prescribe that many. Right. No, they will sure. overprescribe. So back in the early 2000s, when this was happening to me, you know, they didn't have databases in the pharmacies and in the doctor's offices that was tracking your prescriptions. So I did this thing called doctor shopping and pharmacy jumping, mm-hmm. where I was going from place to place just to get more, more medication to get the same effect. And what, what, what people need to understand is if someone has an, an injury or a pain or a toothache or a surgery, you know, the body, the human body is a remarkable thing. Mm -hmm. It has a healing power and pain is an indicator of healing. So if you're masking that pain, then your, your body's not really going through the healing process like it should. Although you think it is because your pain goes away when you take that medication. Right. So what happened was I was going through this thing called opioid withdrawal syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's called dope sickness. And, um, it's basically feels like the flu times a hundred, okay? Body aches, nausea, diarrhea, joint ache, um, chilled, sweating. Um, it, it's it's the worst feeling in the wow. world. And the the problem with that is that people were tricked. They thought that they were really having their original pain. You know, they weren't able to differentiate the original injury or pain 
from the opioid withdrawal syndrome. It mm-hmm. played a trick on my mind. And I thought I had to have it because of my original injury, which had healed years before. Mm-hmm. So once this started happening and the overprescribing became so paramount and people started seeing where opioid prescriptions were written. Have you ever watched that show, The Pharmacist on Netflix? I've not. It gives a really good depiction. It's a good illustration of really the opioid crisis in its infancy. Okay. This pharmacist who had lost his son to a drug overdose was noticing that these perfectly healthy looking, you know, people, 17, 20, 25 years old, were coming in getting these opioid prescriptions filled, you know, 60, 90, 180 at a time, but they didn't seem to have any injury. Mm-hmm. And what happened was there was a doctor that was overprescribing, paying cash for this medication. They were making their um, they weren't getting insurance or anything. They were just making their patients pay cash for this medication, and they were selling it on the street. The street value rocketed wow. um, to get uh, FDA-approved pharmacy painkillers. So, of course, our lawmakers got involved, and what happened was in 2018 they passed new laws that said, okay, from now on doctors cannot overprescribe opiates. They can only prescribe a three- to five-day supply. Mm-hmm. And if you need anything more than that, you have to go to a pain management clinic. Well, you would think that would have, you know, cured the problem, but the problem was these were people who were addicted. They had opioid use disorder, although they probably didn't know it. They just thought they were still suffering from their original pain or injury. But what happened was it cut these people off from their medication. They started going into the opioid withdrawal syndrome. And this is a syndrome, if anyone has ever been through it, you will know that you will do anything to get one more pill mm-hmm. because one more pill will remove all of that sickness. And when I do, um, you know, locks on trainings, particularly in our church congregations, when I do those and I'm talking to these people and they've got loved ones who they say, you know, they're, 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 they're um, angry and they're agitated and they're grumpy and they go to bed and they're like in this fetal position. They won't come out and we don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden they come out and they're fine. Mm-hmm. And we think the problem is solved. But what happened was they got one more pill, and the, the symptoms went away. And that lasts for probably six or eight hours, and then they're going to be right back into yeah. that vicious withdrawal syndrome. So people, what we do as regional overdose prevention specialists is educate people on what happens when someone's cut off on their medications. Mm-hmm. The pain management clinics I was talking about back in 2018 when they actually were sending all these patients to these pain management clinics to get more medication, which is what everyone wanted, they started looking, overseeing what was going on in the pain management clinics. And in 2018, they closed 21 pain management clinics across the state. Now, these were clinics that were seeing anywhere from 350 to 1,000 patients a month. Wow. And now, not only are these patients who are our grandparents and our family members and people in our congregations at our work, they're all cut off from their medications. So they start moving to the street for illegal drug purchases Mm -hmm. because fentanyl and heroin is also an opiate, which is also cheaper and more readily available. It's illegal, Mm -hmm. but you can get it from the street. And that's when we started seeing the increase in overdoses when people started going to the street for these purchases right? and then able to get them through the pharmacy. So what's the effect of fentanyl? You mentioned that drug a minute ago, and we've heard it a ton. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think everyone's talking about today. I mean, the stats told us, show us that in Tennessee, 
Um, there was over 3,000 overdose deaths um, by opioids last year, and one out of three involved fentanyl. Wow. So fentanyl is um, a synthesized opiate. It's not what you would call pharmacy grade, not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's not a pharmacy grade drug that you can get in a pharmacy. It's actually synthesized in labs in China and other places, but China is the primary source. Okay. And you can get it through the mail, you know, just go online and you can order it um, and have it sent to your house. And what we were finding was that drug dealers started cutting their products, their heroin and their other products with this fentanyl, which is supposedly gives you the like this really huge euphoric boost, mm -hmm. like more so than heroin. It's more potent than heroin. It's more potent than painkillers. And the boost that you get is so addictive, then you just continue to chase that. Everything, wow. your whole mindset changes. The receptors that um, Chandler was talking about in your brain, those pathways are redefined in your brain that makes you want that drug as much as you would want to eat or drink. It takes over your, your mind and it takes over your, your body to where that's all you can think about mm -hmm. is how to get more, which is what's causing people to, you know, to commit crimes and, and rob and steal to, um, to get more medication. The problem with fentanyl is if you get a peel-pressed fentanyl peel that looks like a Percocet or an Oxycontin and you don't know that's what it is, then if it's a lethal dose, then you will die and you have no idea that that's mm -hmm. what you were using. Can one pill be a lethal dose? Oh, one yes. pill can be a lethal dose. Oh, yes. Really? And the problem with that is wow. even the drug dealers don't know what they have. They really don't. They're getting these pills pressed from these places. Mm -hmm. um, one thing is I wanted to talk about was, you know, when I first took this job in 2017, you know, I had, you know, I had provided services for a lot of peers, and I probably maybe lost three to five people to death by overdose in the first two years. Mm -hmm. In 2020, since March 13th of 2020, I have lost 177 peers to death by overdose, wow. usually poisoning by fentanyl. Mm -hmm. And do you remember what happened on March 13th, 2020? I, I remember the world shutting down because yes. of COVID. Yes, but one of the first things that happened was the first stimulus checks came out. Oh, yeah. So what happened was not only did people who might have been clean from a drug addiction, mm -hmm. what I found in my peers were there were several who died from overdose who had six months or longer clean. But when a drug addict is given money that's extra money that yeah. they're not expecting, they tell themselves, okay, I'm going to pay the rent, I'm going to buy groceries, I'm going to pay off this bill, but I'm also going to say, you know, one more is not going to matter. Yeah. Right? I'm going to go talk to my guy about getting one more, getting, you know, a bag of pills. Yeah. The problem is all drug users in one area in our community got that money, and the drug dealers didn't possibly have enough supply to sure. meet their demand. So that's when we started seeing a lot of cut products, you know, that were cut with things that were killing people. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that I did notice after the second stimulus check went out is, you know, those drug dealers got that money too. And one thing I think the narcotics teams and people were noticing was that the pill-pressed fentanyl, mm -hmm. they, you know, you, you used to be able to see a pill-pressed fentanyl and recognize it. It would, like, crumble. It wouldn't be sealed, you know. Okay. And you would know that it wasn't a pharmacy-grade pill. But now, 
the pill-pressed pills look just like the pharmacy-grade pills. You really can't tell the difference. So people wow. who thought they were getting smarter and you know buying the drugs that they were they were buying, it's it wasn't smarter. They, mm-hmm. You know those pills were still killing people. They There's camouflage like real pills. Wow. Yeah. So that's what we're facing. That's yeah. that's the crux of the opioid overdose, and that's one reason why, you know, our our government, you know, our governor has provided funding to not only for us to be able to give naloxone, and what we provide to people are four milligram um, nasal sprays, mm-hmm. and we provide training on how to administer the nasal sprays um, to reverse the opioid overdose. Um, and um, we're so grateful that we're able to do that. I know there's a lot of talk and a lot of discussion about medications that are free and medications that are offered, you know, to reverse a drug overdose. But, I mean, one thing that we have done, what's the number now? I think it's 76,000 people mm-hmm. have been given a second chance at life. That's amazing. Because their overdose was reversed through, mm-hmm. through naloxone. So even though our our overdose numbers are staggering, mm-hmm. you know, over 3,000 um, just last year um, died from overdose, we still have a lot of people who have gone on to treatment. You know, mm-hmm. that's one thing I love about having this job along with my Lifeliner job is not only am I able to provide and, and, and um, Chandler does the uh, the agency trainings, law enforcement, first responders. I do more of a street outreach, okay. which I spend a lot of time in the hotels and motels, like close to the interstate, where there's a lot of people who live there, mm-hmm. and their drug dealers live there, and they have you know drug problems, and they live in these this, these um, hotels where it's rampant, you know. So I'll go around to those hotels and I'll give out Narcan to people. Um, to, you know, just say, just hold on to this in case you see someone who might be experiencing an overdose. Yeah. You know, and I train them. I do like a little brief training where I show them a video and, and show them how to administer it. So that's pretty much what I do. Is I, gotcha. You know, but one good thing about that, you know, for having two-fold job is I'm also to talk, able to talk to them about detox options. Right. And, you know, because I know when all the detox beds are available every morning and mm-hmm. I know what, you know, what's available at Pathways or if they have insurance where they could go. So that's one good thing I'm able to do is provide treatment and detox options to people who might be ready finally to make that change. Yeah, I was going to ask if you guys work with Pathways directly. Yes, I do every day. Yeah, wow, yes, that's awesome. We're doing so, a training with them actually at 1 o'clock today. Oh, I'll awesome. Be, I'll be in attendance to yeah. To watch uh, Mark, like I mentioned, gentleman Mark Mason that works with us, mm-hmm. he's conducting it. So, yeah, yeah, yes. with Pathways hand in hand. That's awesome. Earlier you mentioned a uh, pain specialist. Several we of do. them were shut down. but uh, We they're... do have pain specialists here in Jackson, okay. and they do follow the regulatory guidelines now. Gotcha. Um, because there are people with chronic pain. We can't forget that, you know, people do have chronic pain. Right. And we have to be able to, what what I like to try and, and, and provide focus to is, is, you know, I'm not trying to tell a doctor how to do their job, but I do think doctors should provide more holistic, you know, approaches or, you know, the pills aren't always going to be the answer. Right, right. Now, of course, you know, exercise, diet, um, and holistic options, you know, um, can always be better than than an opiate Mm -hmm. you know i have been you know to the dentist and i've had to have a root canal and stuff and i will take 800 milligram ibuprofen that will knock out any pain i'm having 
I will never, ever take another opioid because I would never want to set off that craving in, yeah, my, in sure. my head because the pathway and the receptor is already there. Um, to overcome that addiction doesn't mean that it, that, that craving won't be set off if I ever take another opioid. Right, because sure. it will. So looking at other approaches like just over-the-counter, you know, or even, you know, um, um, nutritional or, or um, herbal remedies mm-hmm. like vitamins, things like that, chiropractic medicine, acupuncture. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different alternatives we can look to instead of prescribing a painkiller yeah. to help people with chronic pain. That's amazing. What are some signs that people could look for if they suspect uh, opioid abuse, uh, say in your friend group or your family or really anywhere? Right. So when you when you say abuse, you mean like an overdose, like, overdose, like yeah. someone overdosing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple things that you look for. Um, so I want to go ahead and, and what clear up what the difference is between misuse, like, yes, like you, you just said, and also an overdose, mm-hmm. because misuse is is more of a chronic long term condition. Right. Okay. That's dependency. Right. Like if uh, a cup of coffee, right? How many people have you talked to that say, I'm no good until until my first cup of coffee is hit? Right? We had that conversation well, before the mic turned on. Right, right. And so why? You know, it's not because that, that coffee can controls your life, surely, right? Like it's right. not calling the shots. Or in your brain, is it your brain's, hey, listen, you didn't give us that caffeine we need, so we're not gonna we're not gonna kick start, you know. The jumper cables aren't connected until we get that caffeine is right. basically what, what's happening. Yeah. And that's when you have a dependency on, on some kind of substance because your body's used to it being there, right? Um, and so misuse is, 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 can lead to an overdose, right? Okay. And when you're following you know, what your doctor's orders are, if they're managing it properly, if they're following the guidelines and they're monitoring you, you know, we don't see you know, overdoses from prescription medications as often if they are being followed by a doctor's orders but right. there's a caveat you know the little star next to that will people follow right will right. they follow what their doctor is saying if the doctor is following what they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so an overdose is is it when a toxic amount of a substance takes over your body right and it's not just opioids you could you could overdose on anything you take right mm-hmm. you could take you know, 10, 10 things of Tylenol, 10 Tylenol tablets, and you could destroy your kidneys and your liver, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've talked to people who work in healthcare about that, but essentially with an opioid overdose, what you're going to be looking for is um, you're going to be looking for someone who's who's more than likely unconscious or barely in and out of consciousness, regardless if they're on the floor or if they are on a couch, on a chair, whatever, they're just going to be visibly not not present you mm-hmm. know and what with what's going on around them um when you when you come up when you approach them right they could have shallow breathing that's what you're going to look for shallow disturbed breathing you could okay. hear a gurgling sound kind of um like if, if they were maybe choking on something mm-hmm. or if you know anyone with sleep apnea where their airway closes at night it's my dad <laughs> he snores like a freight train right yep. so he has to have a CPAP machine yep. uh, you'd be looking for some disturbed breathing kind of like a coughing gurgling noise mm-hmm. um, and then you you would look at their eyes right if you if their eyes are shut and you were to you know if they were unconscious and you pulled their eyelid back their their pupils would be so small they would be like the point of a pen right wow. and okay. so that's how you tell that's that the eyes give away a lot of yes. things um they'll give away what type of medication someone is on now not the exact one mm-hmm. but 
we can break things down in different categories. Yes. So stimulants, for example, like caffeine or um, one that I personally take for ADHD, um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorders, Adderall, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's an amphetamine, right? So that will make my pupils very large, mm-hmm. right? Because it's boosted my 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 system mm-hmm. and it wants more light to come in. So my pupils are huge, right? Because I right. need to see what's going on around me. Opioids slow breathing and slow your body down so they don't need as much light, so mm-hmm. they bring it down. So pinpoint pupils slow, you know, very, very unresponsive breathing, shallow breathing. And then also they're not going to be responsive to what we call the sternum rub. Okay. So essentially if you've got someone in and first responders will do this too. If you have someone who you suspect is overdosing or is, is unconscious, you don't want to walk up and kick them in the ribs to try and wake them up. <laughs> right. right. That's, <laughs> that's not a nice way to treat someone. Number one, but number two, you could do some damage doing sure, that. Yeah. You, sure. know, you don't want to do that. So um, what you do is you take the, and I know we're on a podcast, so you can't see me doing this, but if you could imagine take making a fist, right? But don't, not your knuckles. You want to use the, the, the bridge of your knuckles on your fist, right? And okay. you want to take your, you want to take your hand and you want to take the edge of your finger, the, not, like I said, not the knuckles, the underneath part between your fingernail and your knuckles. And you want to rub that middle part of their chest. We call that the sternum. It's like the chest mm-hmm. plate, yep. the, the breastbone. Right. Mm-hmm. And you want to, you want to do that up and down gently, right? You don't want to, you know, try and tear their skin off, you know, doing it really hard, but, and you want to try and wake them up. You want to say, Hey sir, Hey ma'am, are you okay? Mm-hmm. You know, are you okay? And normally first responders can do that or they'll do like a collarbone tap mm-hmm. kind of to kind of elicit some pressure and, and wake the body up. And normally they're un- people are unresponsive to that, especially if fentanyl is involved. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about, just, Diane was talking about fentanyl. Fentanyl is so potent, Will, that, you, you know, we were talking about, is there a way to see if it's in a pill or not that it's been put in? Absolutely not. It, it's the size of a grain of salt, and about five or six of those grains of salt is enough for to be fatal That's to, most, to most people. It's a hundred times more potent than than heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can just order it from China. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. As easily as somebody could order something from Amazon, you could order yes. from China. Really. And what's really scary about that is the the batches that come over. There could be a hundred good batches, batches mm-hmm. that were you know whatever they they were made up to be able to provide the boost that people are paying for, but a bad batch could come over and be enough to kill fifty people. And that's what we look for is hot spots yeah. in our in our regions where we just had a bad batch go through Henderson County, um, I think in Decatur County, and I know we had one in Madison County. And that's when you see a cluster of overdoses, usually mm-hmm. people who are together, you wow. know, and, and they'll actually die from it. Yeah. And what's really scary about the fentanyl is because it does provide such a boost Drug dealers are cutting all their products with it, not just the opiates, but they're also cutting their meth, their cocaine, weed. Mm-hmm. We've seen overdoses for people who are just never used any other drug, just smoked weed. And their weed was laced with fentanyl and they died. Oh, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. So you said uh, naloxone is a life-saving drug. Mm-hmm. Is there a time limit of... Obviously, when somebody has passed away, they pass time. But right. is, is it what are the signs that people look for to know when they can or should administer it, and how long do they have? I just want to go ahead and, and lead off by saying, if you suspect an overdose, you're not going to be able to tell. If, you're not going to be able to tell what all someone has taken mm-hmm. if it's already in their system. Okay, like the the eyes the eyes don't lie normally, but mm-hmm. what we're seeing now is stimulants. You know, like uh, cocaine. Um, 
methamphetamine and fentanyl added to it. So you have right. a stimulant and it's opposite an opioid, right? You have something that makes your breathing go up, your heart rate go up, mm-hmm. and then they add something that makes your heart rate go down and your breathing go down to kind of balance out and give you this awesome euphoria. So sometimes you don't know what, they're, what they've taken. If right. it's a stimulant only, if someone is, has, let's say they've taken cocaine or they've taken, uh, they got their hands on someone's, um, like I just said, ADHD medication mm-hmm. and they've taken a bunch of it and they don't need it. They could overamp and they could overdose off of that. Overamping is a stimulant overdose where mm-hmm. your, your heart rate can't keep up with what you know what your body needs, and it, and it can lead to cardiac arrest sometimes. But wow, um, basically, if they're overdosing from a from from an opioid, um, there's a critical window because when you stop breathing, you have about three to five minutes until mm-hmm. oxygen deprivation starts to damage the brain on a on a chemical and a, just a baseline level to where there's no going back. There's brain damage that is irreversible. Yeah. Um, so three to five minutes is about that window. But regardless, if you see someone in that position that I was talking about, small pupils, big pupils, whatever, if they're passed out, if they're struggling to breathe, if they're unresponsive, give them Narcan, give them naloxone. No matter what. Because it's not addictive mm-hmm. and it doesn't hurt anybody. Well, it won't harm anyone. It's just like an Afrin nose spray. If you've ever done, I get the no drip kind yep. whenever my nose is stuffy because I don't want it to go down in my throat mm-hmm. because it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. That's all that this nose spray will do to someone. You so, cannot overdose on it. You cannot use it too much. It is not addictive. So where can people get it and who should carry it? Absolutely. So there's a couple different options for getting it. Number one, first and foremost, what we encourage people to do just because we, as a, as a team, of ropes, lifeliners, we're very limited, right? There's only, you know, 20 something of, of the ropes team across the entire state. Mm -hmm. Um, there are four of us in, in region six South here in West Tennessee, but, um, there's a standing order uh, in the state of Tennessee where anybody who has insurance can go. And I just did this for myself the other day. I went to my Walgreens and I picked up my, my normal medications I take, and I asked for a prescription for uh, naloxone, mm-hmm. and they will give it to you. Uh, you just have to pay your copay or whatever your your insurance will figure all that out. I'm not very savvy on all that, <laughs> but yeah. um, they will provide that to you um, so that you can carry it with you. And uh, they will show you how to use it as well um, if you ask them. And if they don't, call us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll show right. you. We'll teach you how to use it. Um, but that's one way. So yeah. any pharmacy, you know, there's a standing order. You can get it. No prescription needed. Okay. Um, option number two is through, if you have 10 care, right, which is a form of, uh, of Medicare or Medicaid mm-hmm. um, through the state of Tennessee. So you can get two units of naloxone, so two four milligram nose sprays a month on 10 care, no cost to okay. you. Okay. Um, and that also goes along with a an, another aspect of ten care, which is called Cover RX, mm-hmm. which is another form of 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 you know a way to get your medication paid through through the state insurance of ten care. And uh, if you need more information about that, I'm not 100 percent up to speed on it yet. I need to learn a little bit more. But it covers more than just naloxone. Yes. It covers a lot of medications. I gotcha. scanned through the list and like two of the three of mine were on that list, mm-hmm. yes. you know, so that's another good way. Um, and there's, there's information on TN.gov, mm-hmm. uh, the state website about Great that. Resource. And maybe when I'm done talking about the third way, uh, Diane could explain more about that. But, 
Um, and then the third way is to call call a regional overdose prevention specialist. We yes. call ourselves the ropes. The ropes, okay. So R O P S. Um, so if you don't mind, could I give my phone number? I was just and, actually yeah, about to ask. Could me and Diana, like, Diana yeah. share our phone yes. numbers and our emails? Yeah, absolutely. Lay it on me. <clears throat> so if you need to get into contact with me, um, I cover, <clears throat> well, regardless of what counties I cover, I'll just give you my phone number and then right. we'll get you to the right person. So um, 731-694-1335. And listeners, that's going to be in the description. So if you're looking for that, uh, just look at the bottom and you'll see Chandler's phone number. Mm-hmm. And, and Diane's number as well. My phone number is 731-694-3161. And I'd just like to just put out there that if anyone has anyone, like a loved one or someone who's at high risk for overdose mm-hmm. or has a substance misuse problem and is looking to get help and doesn't know how, um, I'll be happy to talk to you and, and try and find you treatment, residential treatment, sober living, whatever you know the case may be. That's amazing. I'm so thankful to have you know two people that I know doing this kind of work or doing the Lord's work, as they say. Yes. And uh, yes. it's an honor to have you guys in today talking about this. It's Thank very clear that you guys are both passionate about helping people. And uh, it, it brings a sense of comfort to me knowing that there are people like you guys out in the Madison County and West Tennessee area doing what you're doing. So thank, thank you. you for what you're doing. It thank you. Takes thank a you village for, for sure. And you're doing a great job. Yeah, thank you for giving us a platform to, sh- to share this. Yeah, with, yeah. With absolutely. People, so thank this you, is, Will. This has been great. We'll do this again sometime if you want. Absolutely. Talk about more stuff. Well, yep. great. Well, listeners, like I said, if you're looking for their phone number, uh, I'm actually going to put it in their description, uh, their names. If you look for their names, their titles, uh, their numbers will be underneath their names. And, uh, yeah, like I said, if you have questions for them, questions for me, feel free to call them or send us an email at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com, and we will get your uh, questions answered. Chandler, Diane, thank you all so much for coming in today. This has been a real treat. Thanks, Will. Thank you, Will. Absolutely. Thank you. And this has been another episode of We Talk Health.